Listener Production. Hello, hello, it's Antoinette Latouf here. Bleached, drawn on, feathered, shaved, tinted. We're talking eyebrows on today's briefing. In today's show, I'm joined by a makeup historian. Yup, makeup historian, it's a thing. And we're going to unravel the highs and lows of our arches. Things like why 90s eyebrows are making a comeback. And also why shaving your eyebrows off and posting the video on TikTok is trending. There's a huge part of eyebrow history that is connected to socioeconomic status or, you know, really or political power. Eyebrows have a history of signaling that someone is ready to reproduce, that they're of a certain age. So if you take away the eyebrows, it's kind of like saying, I don't want to reproduce right now. <laughs> More on our hairy arches later the aesthetic, the political and everything in between. But first, here are today's headlines with Katrina Blowers. It is Wednesday, the 13th of December. Hey, Antoinette. Hi, everyone. Well, Cyclone Jasper is hitting the far north Queensland coast this afternoon, right near the holiday town of Port Douglas. So far, around 25,000 people in the red and orange flood zones have been told to prepare to leave and stay on higher ground. Now, the red zone includes most of the Esplanade in Cairns and other low-lying coastal areas, which covers around 9,500 homes. While Jasper weakened to a Category 1 last night, it is expected to strengthen later this afternoon before it crosses the coast with wind gusts of up to 140 kilometres an hour and also flash flooding. Some areas, Antoinette, will receive over a month's worth of rain in just a six-hour period. And given how early it is in cyclone season and also how unusual it is for a cyclone to form this early in an El Nino period, uh, it's left meteorologists really scratching their heads and, and locals scrambling. No one was expecting this uh, in early December. My first thoughts were, well, Katrina, as a Queenslander, it's it's fair to say you're pretty used to having to respond to wild weather conditions, but now it's just getting more frequent and earlier. It definitely is. And, you know, it's it's a scary thing. Um, even if you're used to being in a cyclone, I've covered quite a few cyclones and had to be um, in, in cyclone areas during it. And it's just the waiting and the not knowing, no matter how many you've been through, it's, it's very anxious. So do follow warnings and changes from authorities to keep safe. And also, speaking of authorities, in Queensland yesterday, it was announced that Stephen Miles will replace Anastasia Palaszczuk in Queensland as Premier with Cameron Dick to become Deputy. An official from the World Health Organization says that less than a third of Gaza's hospitals remain functional and those that are still in operation are only partially so. This is being reported by news agency Reuters. WHO's Richard Peppercorn told the UN press briefing in just 66 days, the health system has gone from 36 functional hospitals to 11 partially functional hospitals, one in the north and 10 in the south. And earlier this week, WHO officials said that four medical staff are still being detained by Israeli forces after being deployed on a WHO-led mission on the 22nd of November. And their mission was to move patients from Al-Shifa Hospital. Yeah, there is apparently no information on their well-being or their whereabouts, which must be incredibly distressing for their families. 
So far, the Palestinian Health Ministry has reported that 18,412 people have been killed and over 50,000 people injured in Israeli strikes on Gaza since the 7th of October. And Katrina, it's you know heartbreaking and concerning, obviously, to hear that so few hospitals remain functional and only partially so, but there's a lot of information about water and the lack of water. So, you know, basic survival commodities have become even scarcer. The WHO um, has said um, that it is cutting off Gaza, well, that Israel is cutting off Gaza from water, food, anything which is necessary for any sort of life. And of course, earlier this week, the US was the only country to veto calls for a ceasefire. And human rights and medical agencies are saying they're running out of words to describe the horror and the atrocities. But in any words that remain, it just feels like it's falling on deaf ears. Well, international clothing retailer Zara has pulled an advertising campaign after facing backlash and calls from pro-Palestine activists for a boycott of the brand. This is all because of a campaign featuring mannequins with missing limbs, statues wrapped in white cloth and white dust and rubble. The brand's Instagram account received tens of thousands of comments on the photos posted as hashtag boycott Zara was trending on messaging platform X. Zara replied with a statement on Insta saying the campaign was conceived back in July and then photographed in September. Uh, they regret any misunderstanding. They wanted it to look like a sculptor's studio and um, reflect the artisan nature of the clothing campaign that they were wanting to launch. Uh, but, yeah, it, it has not gone down well. Um, they're not the only brand, Antoinette, that's you know, had to scrap a campaign and come under hot water. Um, Marks and Spencer had to apologise last month. They posted an Instagram photo of Christmas party hats burning and those party hats were in the colours of the Palestinian flag. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I definitely saw the Zara body bags. And I think what was pretty kind of alarming or striking to me, because obviously I've been following um, the the conflict, is that the, the mannequin body that the model was holding is wrapped in white cloth, which looks like the thousands of Palestinian bodies we've seen in recent months. And it's reminiscent of that traditional Muslim burial attire. So obviously a lot of people were upset and triggered by these images. Some called for the boycotting of the brand, which you mentioned. Um, but others have started graffitiing the outside of stores, which I saw happened in Barcelona. Of course, that's where um, Zara originates from. It is a Spanish brand. And you know, oh, let's just accept that this really was conceived in July and that it was photographed in September totally plausible. Um, it's just interesting that nobody in the marketing campaign or team or anybody thought, hey, maybe this is a little bit off. Hey, maybe body bags, you know, bodies covered in, in, in white cloth, maybe it's a bit off since we've seen thousands on the daily of dead Gazan children um, and women and others wrapped in exactly the same way. There's some welcome cost of living news this festive season. Seafood prices are expected to drop at the major supermarkets in the lead up to Christmas with Coles and Woolies selling tiger prawns for 30 bucks a kilo. So yes, this is welcome news, but I don't necessarily think this is from the kindness and the generosity of their compassionate hearts because the Senate is establishing an inquiry into alleged price gouging by the two supermarkets and the first hearing uh, tipped for 2024. Um, so I suspect that they're trying to get on Santa's um, nice list in the lead up to Christmas. <laughs>
Well, the National Farmers Federation is saying that they think that red meat prices still haven't come down far enough and they're really, really interested to hear what's going to come out of this Senate committee hearing, um, particularly they're wanting transparency around, well, where does the money go uh, once you, you know, have a discrepancy with what farmers are being paid and what prices are being charged to consumers in the supermarkets? So red meat prices have fallen in the order of 60%. So that's what the, the livestock prices have, have fallen by. Yet Coles and Woolies have only decreased them by 20%. So where's that extra 40% going? And at a time when both supermarkets have posted profits of over a billion dollars, it's not a great look, but cheers for the tiger prawns. Thank you for that. Thanks so much, Katrina. Now we're going to go deep and high and wide and bleached and fluffy on eyebrows. Here at The Briefing, we like to bring you a deep dive that matters and every now and again we'll mix things up and present curious trends as well. You know, light and shade and all of that. Today we're talking about the history of eyebrows and new trends that are taking off on TikTok. Yes, brows are barometers for our emotions, but they've also been used to make political and social statements throughout history. Sarah Long is a US-based history professor who has been dubbed the makeup historian. Sarah, thanks so much for your time. Before we get into shaved and bleached eyebrows, which are trending at the moment, at what point in your love of history did you decide that makeup and hair history was something that you needed to focus on? Well, you know, that wasn't actually my plan (laughs) originally. Um, My career actually began as a professional makeup artist, and I uh, used all of the money I earned (laughs) from the makeup world to help me earn my degrees in history. And it wasn't until I got to grad school that one of my professors was like, you know, why haven't you ever looked into cosmetic history? I'm surprised that you don't research that more. And I was kind of like, I'm surprised I don't either. That's a great idea. So then I started that journey. And in that process, a lot of my friends within the graduate program started giving me the nickname, the makeup historian. And then I changed my social media handles to say that. So then people in the makeup world started to call me that as well. And then a few years down the road, I got the idea to do a podcast. And I was like, well, I guess I'll use my nickname the makeup historian. So it's kind of evolved into this really cool thing where it's a blending of my two career paths, but now it also represents Mm. what I love to study, which is makeup history. That's fascinating. So you've certainly found your niche and it's the way I found you. And I want to talk mainly about eyebrows today. And before we go into the various trend points throughout history for eyebrows. They initially, I mean, we have eyebrows because they serve a physiological purpose, don't they? Yes, they do. They're one of the main ways that we communicate with each other. And we tend to forget that because it's so intuitive. (laughs) But that really is how we assess other people and in a sense, really figure out how they're communicating with us is primarily through eyebrow movements. There's a biological function of the eyebrows to help protect our eyes from debris or anything really getting in there. Eyelashes as well, you know, they both serve that purpose. But then there's also a lot of, on the 
also biological aspects, there's a lot in regards to reproductive issues, you know, why we kind of favor certain eyebrow fashions throughout the years. They definitely are connected to reproduction, (laughs) if you will. Oh my gosh. We'll definitely jump into that um, a little later on. And uh, what recorded history do we have of eyebrows first being altered or used for cosmetic or aesthetic purposes? So I'm not exactly sure the earliest because a lot of it just has to do with what we have preserved from different cultures. So Mm. there may be some evidence earlier, but we may not have found those sources or really had time to research them just yet. But definitely ancient Egypt is one of the most well preserved uh, records that we have of altering eyebrow fashion in particular for lots of different reasons. And has it always been female dominated or men have altered their eyebrows too? No, there is a long history of men altering their eyebrows as well. And really in in regard to just the biological aspect, um, there's also a social component of it as well. There's a huge part of eyebrow history that is connected to socioeconomic status or, you know, really or political power. And it really not everything prior to the industrial revolution, most of cosmetic trends are connected to luxury uh, or being of a higher class because of just access to certain materials. So it's not until after the Industrial Revolution that more and more every socioeconomic class has access to different products to try to engage in that. One of the things that made me want to start looking into eyebrows is when I saw on TikTok this, the shaved eyebrow trend or the shaved eyebrow challenge. Mm-hmm. What can you tell me about that? Because I know you've looked into it and this takes us back to potentially some of those you know, reproductive connections. Yeah, I love that you were fascinated by it as well, because when I first started to see it, I think it really hit its height in like 2021 as of you know recent history. But I was at first kind of shocked by it. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> why are we shaving our eyebrows? And then I you know, decided to remove myself, take the emotions out of it and look at it as a historian. Like, why is this really happening? And I think a lot of it has to do with different political issues, but then also the technological revolution. And I've looked into this a little bit in regards to different facial recognition software. I think that actually had a big component on people shaving off their eyebrows, whether, you know, for aesthetic reasons or not, but really it's a way to kind of take back agency over your look and over who different, what different tech can monitor you, especially with facial recognition, because one of the main things they track is eyebrows. But I definitely think that the technological realities of today have fueled that trend and then further being facilitated on TikTok as well. And then it turns into a challenge and then everyone gets involved in it. But then there's also a reproductive aspect. I did find uh, some sources where ladies in particular who were very intense uh, feminists were really advocating for that trend as well. Because Eyebrows have a history of of signaling that someone is ready to reproduce, that they're of a certain age. So if you take away the eyebrows, it's kind of like saying, I don't want to reproduce right now. (laughs) And then there are the others, to be fair, who did it because of Gigi Hadid. And rather than shave all of their eyebrows, (laughs) they shave the ends of the eyebrows. 
you know, so, so I can think there are two schools of shaved eyebrow folks. Um, some who might be doing it for AI, others because they want to take, you know, bodily autonomy and say, no, I'm not reproducing. And then there's the Hollywood effect, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and then to add on that as well, there's an increase in just the bleached eyebrow. So like a halfway, you know, there. <laughs> and I think that has a lot to do with the impact of Hollywood, of different celebrities, but then also different cosmetic brands have really advocated for that. And I think a lot of it is because nostalgia is actually one of the best marketing tools out there for any company, not just makeup companies, but a lot of them were doing kind of throwbacks to the 90s. And in the 90s is when we really start to see that bleached eyebrow look in like mainstream culture. Mm. So I think that's part of why it's had a, a recent resurgence because Gen Z in particular really within the past few years has gravitated back towards the 90s. My biggest eyebrow regret, and I'm going to share this with you, was in the early noughties overplucking my eyebrows because I thought I would look like Gwen <laughs> Stefani. Um, and unfortunately, I did not look that hot and they have not grown back. Um, but I am keen to know what oh, no. the wackiest eyebrow <laughs> trend is throughout history that you've come across? You know, I think one of the most interesting was the mouse eyebrow. <laughs> that was pretty interesting. There's been a, a, f a few different instances of different cultures using animal fur for eyebrow embellishment, especially when more bushy eyebrows were desired. And if women in particular didn't have as full of an eyebrow, one of the ways you could do that was with a fur prosthetic. And mice, unfortunately, were the main source of that, especially through the Elizabethan era. Wow, that's why. All that. I mean, I guess that we kind of come full circle. I mean, we're leaving the mice alone at the moment, but brows are big business at the moment, whether you're feathering or microblading or, or eyebrow transplant. Talk me through the growth of the brow business in, in the context of makeup. You know, I think it's really amplified and diversified a lot because of digital technology. Uh, we have this phenomenon going on right now where we can really have an out-of-body experience, but also where we can see different trends throughout the entire world. And that really hasn't happened, you know, prior to world history in regards to how we got our information. So I think one of the most interesting things to me today about eyebrow fashions is that we can see almost every single eyebrow trend throughout history. Mm. Someone's wearing it right now. So it's hard to, you know, really define like what is the main one that's the most popular because we're really using this technology to go back and look at everything. So you can see someone doing ombre eyebrows, you know, or the bleached eyebrow, shaved eyebrows colored eyebrows. That's also been a big thing. Uh, having one eyebrow a certain color, another one a different color. The only one I haven't seen too much of recently, which who knows, maybe we'll see it soon, is uh, asymmetrical eyebrows. I'm kind of shocked I haven't seen that one as much just yet, especially with the digital era. And do you think mono brows are going to make a comeback? And I, I, I ask this question selfishly because my kids, my daughters both sport one. Um, and I'm trying to tell them mm -hmm. it's okay and look at Frida Kahlo. Um, do you think the mono brows coming back? I do. I think it's already back. I, I've seen it in different uh, fashion, you know, spreads. I see it on social media. I see a lot of people not being ashamed of it. You know, they're embracing it. I think it's only a matter of time before we start seeing it more and more in popular fashion. But I wouldn't 
be surprised at all if that makes a comeback. And it has been prominent. I mean, there have been several times throughout history where people have favored it or where they have not liked it, but it has happened throughout history where people have liked that look and viewed it as something of a a higher social class. You're talking about a throwback to the 90s. Vanilla Rice was very popular in the 90s um, and his eyebrows were just as popular and he shaved these little lines in them. And I'm beginning to see some people online with that. Is is, is that having a, a nostalgic resurgence too? So the slit eyebrow is absolutely definitely back. I've seen a lot of people do that. And I think it, it is connected a lot to nostalgia. I definitely think so. And longing for that time before digital technology took over everything uh, or was integrated into every facet of our society. It's so ironic that this nostalgia for the 90s and these figures in the 90s before the internet, and it's like, oh, we'll replicate the eyebrows and then we'll put it on the internet. I know, right? (laughs) That's an excellent (laughs) point. Yeah. (laughs) It's an interesting time. It definitely is. And it's it's a really fun time to be a cosmetic historian as well, because we're, it's, the, the field in itself is being established as we speak. So different museums, if they have different pieces of cosmetic heritage, they're starting to go back and examine it more. And then we're being a lot more proactive with preserving the changes happening right now. So I think uh, this interview, you know, we're very right on the, the cusp of some very interesting research questions. And I think the whole evolution of eyebrow history trends is going to transform quite a bit within the next 10 years. That's Sarah Long, a US-based history professor who's been dubbed the Makeup Historian and you can find her on Instagram with that exact handle, the Makeup Historian. And look, I'm still mourning my once bushy brows thanks to overplucking, but I can pledge and promise that I'm not going to shave or bleach them despite what TikTok and the cool kids say I should do. But hey, you guys, you do you. Listener.